You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about when therapists are asked by other people for information. This week, we read Voice of Experience, Managing Requests for Client Information, published in Counseling Today, 2021. Heather, can you talk about some times where either you or a supervisee has been asked for information about your clients by the courts? Yes, I think it actually happens pretty frequently if you're working with families or if you're working with kids. Mm -hmm. Often you'll get requests from lawyers or you might even get a request for, it might be a letter, it might not even be a subpoena. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might just be a phone call. In your new client paperwork, do you have anything in there that says what, how you're going to handle court requests or? Yes, I have a whole blurb about, and it's literally a separate section so that I make sure people see it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that there's a documented spot that you saw if this is, if you're requesting paperwork, if you're requesting a copy of your file on the behalf of anybody. No, this is how it goes down. Yeah. But I think one of the most important things is that often, especially for my supervisees, they get like a letter from a lawyer and think that they have to jump to it. Right. It's just a letter from a lawyer. It doesn't right. really mean anything at all. That's a good point. <laughs> I ask about paperwork because I think there are, I, or I have run across quite a few counselors, therapists that in, in their paperwork, it says that they will not mm. communicate with the court or they mm-hmm. will not, they're not open to being subpoenaed. Which also, it's not like a get out of jail free card. Right. You don't get to just say You don't that. get to pick. Right. <laughs> it makes me think of an office episode where he declared bankruptcy. Right. <laughs> That's not how that works. So yeah, you're right. That having it in your paperwork specifically helps. But there are sometimes informal requests that can feel scary or intimidating. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I've had some supervisees that have come to me with concerns that a new client meets them and says, I want you to do Mm, what something for them related to a court case Mm -hmm. or a custody agreement or something like that. And they're unclear or uncertain on how to handle that. Right. I think that can be very sticky. I think Mm -hmm. anytime it comes to custody or anything in family dynamic, whether it comes to, you always have to look at who has the rights what mm-hmm. has already been determined by the courts. But often mm-hmm. I think therapists fall, are at the beginning before those are even established. Mm-hmm. Like they know that they're going to be getting divorced. And so one parent decides to put the kid in therapy, hoping that the therapist will ally with them or will be oh. on their side. I think that happens far too often. Yeah. Something I tell my supervisees, even before there's a court situation, right. is if it, it kind of feels like that, I emphasize you need to be very careful and thoughtful with your documentation. Yes. Don't include your opinions. Right. Be very clear who you're talking to on which dates and mm-hmm. things like that. And do not write a novel. Right. Just write whatever you need. One of the last times I went to court, actually, it was for a custody situation, which I was surprised it turned out. When I actually went to court, I was surprised what they were discussing, It's which pointed out again to me, be very careful with your documentation. Mm-hmm. But they asked over and over and over again for things that I couldn't speak to. Right. They wanted me to speak to, and I was seeing the kids in the family, 
they wanted me to speak to dad's character or dad's right. ability to parent. And I went, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I, right. In that family, I had never actually even met the dad before. Mm-hmm. He'd never been in my office. So I just kept kind of deflecting and going, I can't right. speak to that. I don't know. Right. I don't have a professional opinion about that. And the thing it came down to was that I had in my notes, the only piece of useful information they could get from me. I had in my notes the date when I first saw the family, Okay. when I first met with the mom, and I had recorded that she said dad had a different mailing address, and she provided the mailing address so that I could correspond with him, and the date showing that he did not live in the house with the family at that time. Wow. I mean, all So that I, I think I kind of lucked out that I was detailed right. enough that I included that. And also firm enough that I didn't provide circumstantial information that I couldn't really speak to. Right. So I think that could be really hard for a brand new counselor who's maybe not experienced those things before and not sure what to include or not to include in their documentation. I feel like I got very lucky when I was a supervisee. I got subpoenaed to court and actually had to go and show up. And even though I tried to get out of it, my supervisor tried to help me get out of it. But my supervisor went with me. My very first time. Oh, and so nice. I felt like, yeah. okay, that was like a good experience yeah. because I felt like I had a little bit of like a friend with me or like, sure. a, you know, extra support. I have not done that for my supervisees, but I was super green. I was brand new. And it yeah. was like, I think he kind of knew like she doesn't know what to do here. So let me at least go be an example. And the courts did ask him on my behalf if he'd read my notes, if he agreed with oh, my notes, like interesting yeah. things. But he was good and declined all the right things. <laughs> yeah, good. Huh. What about, Heather, situations where either you or your supervisees have been asked for information by other professionals, like teachers, mm-hmm. other counselors, psychiatrists, doctors? Right. How does that work, or can things get difficult even in those situations? I think they can get so sticky. I think mm-hmm. often supervisees feel like they could be intimidated. I mean, mm-hmm. just talking to... Well, the teacher didn't call me, but the principal did. And I maybe feeling like they have to disclose too much information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And really, they shouldn't say anything at all. Right. I think it happens where you might assume that another professional wouldn't ask you for something that they shouldn't have. Right. Or shouldn't or you shouldn't give them. But I think it happens all the time. Right. That Mm -hmm. like of all of the ethics violations that uh, people get reported for, it all boils down to boundaries. Right having appropriate boundaries. So the, I think there is a chance that another professional might ask you what clients you're seeing, their names. Mm-hmm. They might ask what you're talking about. They might ask for more than would be reasonable right. for you to disclose. What about, have you ever had any interactions like that with medical doctors? I have with a psychiatrist mm-hmm. wanting really like called, wanted to verify that the client was, and which was fine. The client had already signed a release for that. Mm-hmm. That was fine. But wanted to like really get into the weeds about why this client was behaving this way. And what do I think about the mom and dad's parenting? Appro- I mean, really went like deeper. And I was like, no, I can't answer that. That's not right. a. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, did, I think it's complicated because their training is so different than a therapist or counselor's training. Do they know? Right. It's not something that right. would generally be Acceptable. discussed. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I think it's still our job and our job as supervisors to encourage our supervisees to do this, but to say that's not something I can talk about. Right. And it's, I think the 
newer you are Mm -hmm. or the less amount of times you've said it, the harder it is. Mm -hmm. Once you've had interactions and you've had to say it, it it rolls off your tongue a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I had a supervisee. It's been a lot of years now that worked for an agency that it was nice that there was a treatment team dynamic. So the counselors, therapists worked with doctors Mm -hmm. really uh, closely. But the um, management or the leadership in this organization wanted the therapist to really, 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 I think, over-document mm-hmm. and give long narratives Oof. in their notes. And what would happen and did happen on more than one occasion, it really affected the supervisee. Her note would include a ton of detailed information, which would then get repeated or discussed in front of the client Mm -hmm. by another professional, by their psychiatrist. Right. So I can remember one time she was so upset that she, as she was told to do, Mm -hmm. described in detail um, a client disclosing sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And almost right away, the psychiatrist said, so in your therapy session, you talked about. Right. And it really negatively affected Absolutely. the client and, well, the, and the counselor's relationship mm-hmm. with the client. So I do think we, we expect that other professionals know what the limit is, but they don't always. And even when they know it, they sometimes don't attend to it. Right. And sometimes those disclosures for that use of information, they're very specific. I've been to plenty of like meetings for like school age kids where, yes, I am there and I am there to talk about how to help some behaviors like specifically. Mm-hmm. But I'm not there to talk about mom and dad's marriage or family dynamics. Yeah. I think that happens. Maybe we can include it with other professionals, insurance companies. Yes. And people that work for insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might be talking to a reviewer or a case manager who's a professional. They're a licensed uh, mental health provider. Sometimes they're not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they work for insurance companies and they aren't credentialed. Right. But they might ask for similarly information that really doesn't pertain to why that person's getting services. Right. Or what's important to the insurance company about what's needed to verify Mm -hmm. either the service that's being provided or the need that the client has. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say to them, that doesn't relate to what we are working on or what we're talking about. I had a situation actually when I first started taking insurance and they declined the diagnosis. Right. And so I like sent back, well, I didn't give this diagnosis. I'm deferring to the psychiatrist and mm-hmm. I'm just follow- because I know the psychiatrist is fine. Like I'm yeah. using his diagnosis and it says so in my note. And for whatever reason, this caseworker could not. I was like, well, your beef is with the psychiatrist. Go decline yeah. his yeah. <laughs> his stuff. Don't decline mine. And it, we went round and round for like three weeks. And finally, it took one of her supervisors getting on board and understanding that, like, as it's said here several times, but through those conversations, she kept saying, well, how did they get to that diagnosis? Does she do this, this, and this? And I'm like, I can't disclose any of that. It's not my case. But in her viewpoint, she was trying to figure out the right diagnosis. Well, that's not her job. True. Yeah. <laughs> so Boundaries. Right. Boundaries. Right? <laughs> I, I, overstepping her boundaries. But sure, I... So that's a good point, too. In all of these situations that we've described or talked about so far, it's not that these people have malicious intent. Right. They maybe have a good intent, but it's it's still an important limit to set. And there's a reason the limit's there. Right. What about, Heather, how often or in what situations do you have people who are not the court, not other professionals, but people maybe who know you or who know your clients you have them asking you or your supervisees for information that you can't give. 
I think that happens so often. Mm -hmm. And so many times it's just a, I can't really talk about that. Or I've talked to my supervisee in particular. She is in a situation right now where she has a lot of clients that are within her same community, like really close in in like a church community situation. Mm -hmm. And I've told her, I said, if it's too sticky, you're going to have to make that decision whether you stay in that position or step out of it because there's too many, like you're crossing too many lines here. Mm -hmm. And people are talking to her like, you know, you know, right? And I'm like, do not even shake your head. Do not even say anything. Don't even acknowledge that you see them. Maybe I think I have an example in the other direction. I knew I had a supervisee a long time ago and she lived in a really little tiny town and there was really only one agency or even maybe they were just a private practice in this little tiny town. And it was impossible to avoid all right. the dual relationships. Right. But through working with this person who th- she thought she'd kind of filtered out, this person doesn't have any really close relationships Mm -hmm. that might be involved between the two of us. So she thought actually this client was like safe. Right. Like, whew, we don't have friends in common. But as she worked with them, she realized that they did have some things going on that they wanted to bring to counseling that actually really was pretty close to home. And in her experience, she actually was kind of relieved that all the other professionals that she knew and the friends that she and this other person had Mm -hmm. that were related went, no, 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 no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell right. me. I don't want to know. Don't. Mm. Right. And so she actually, she started out feeling like, okay, I'm prepared to be tough mm-hmm. and avoid these conversations. And that the the people she was around almost beat her to the punch. Right. <laughs> like, oh, no, please don't tell me. Right. So that was kind of a positive. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think this happens in ways that other people might not recognize as giving away information Mm -hmm. or sharing too much. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you worked at an agency and someone called and said, hey, I'm looking for this person. I just need to tell them, pick the kids up or whatever, something that's pretty harmless and would just be kind of helpful that they don't recognize. That's an important line to draw. Mm -hmm. Just that can be an easy violation. Right. Or maybe you have a friend that says, how's work going? Mm -hmm. And there's some amount of that that you can talk about, but there's also right. some that you have to draw the line with. Mm-hmm. And it can be right. tricky. I think it can even come up. This is a little bit different because it's not necessarily client related, but I've had this happen because I have three kids and they're involved in lots of different activities. And thankfully in this situation, I got to see the roster first before we even went to the first meeting. And the kid that was on my son's team wasn't my client, but the parents were. And I was like, oh, well, let's make a decision here. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? But I had to bring it up with our client before that meeting happened for that sport because you don't want to be in that awkward situation where you're sitting there and all of a sudden in walks a client or in walks something else. I think you and I both often work with kids or someone who's Mm -hmm. underage. I think that's a really complicated example Mm -hmm. that what if a parent wants to know, well, are they talking about this? Right. Mm, I can't really tell you that. <laughs> right. I, so it's a fine line to draw. And how you navigate that and handle that can, I think, really make or break the counseling relationship. That right. if you say, if you draw the line so firmly that it has a not really friendly feel to mm-hmm. it, depending on the age of your client, mom and dad aren't bringing them back. Right. 
and they may not be old enough to advocate for why therapy was working right, or helping. Yeah, I actually have had a situation with a supervisee before where the client would like to be called by a different name. Mm-hmm. And so when the re, um, appointment reminder went out, it had two names on it. And that was very upsetting to the mm-hmm. parents that got mm-hmm. the reminder. And they sent an email wanting to verify that this wouldn't, this kind of behavior wouldn't be encouraged or wouldn't be whatever. And it was sticky because my supervisee was like, I'm going to support my client here. I'm also not going to, I'm not going to talk about what we've talked about. So it was obviously disclosed in a way through a reminder system, mm-hmm. but it still was a disclosure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is more and more complicated to, to know how to handle situations like that. So it does happen often to mm-hmm. us and our supervisees, and we have to know how to be prepared to handle it. And maybe the more experience we have, the better able we're, we are to prepare our supervisees to know what to do when this happens, because it will happen. Right. And, and, it, and like we talked about today, it's going to happen in a lot of different scenarios and with different people and different work relationship dynamics. And all of them are important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.